Welcome to the Orange is the New Cast podcast. It's the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black television series. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me today is... This is Pete Ilani. Aloha, everyone. And uh, we're going to be talking about the third episode of season two, Hugs Can Be Deceiving. Pilani, this is this is are you a podcast rookie? Is this uh, your first official aside from like voicemails to the Bicar show? I actually well, obviously I'm a bald move rookie. However, I did guest host on um another cast with Jason Cabassi. Oh right, yeah. We did an interview with Angela Kang for the Walking Dead cast. Cool. Which was pretty cool. Jason's my bud. He's from the Walking Dead podcast. You should check it out if you're a Walking Dead fan. He's a really nice guy. Um, glad to be joining or have you joining us. Uh, I was working with Amy and Susan, and I was brainstorming with her and or them and Kelly and a few others about who other what other podcasters we get on there. And they said you should get Pilani. Yay! So, I'm super cool. We brought you on. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Do you have any uh, any place? Because you mentioned you had a blog. In the I do show banter. I do. I think that uh, the listeners will realize. A little bit about me as I talk about my commentary for the show, but before I say that, I want to say mahalo nui loa to you because you invited me to part be part of your dream team. And what does that mean? That means for all of you out there, that means thank you very much. Um, oh. in, in the language of my people in Hawaii, um, I do consider myself to be really lucky. And yes, Amy and Susan and Geraldine are friends of mine. I met them sort of six degrees of separation. So I listened <laughs> to you guys. You're uh-huh. watching Deadcast. Um, and I also listened to the Walking Dead cast with Jason. Right. And of course, Jason talked about the Because Show, and then I realized you guys are all connected. And then what? November of last year, we all met, uh-huh. and uh, it was like magic. <laughs> because now I don't know if everyone knows, but Jim's actually my boyfriend. Yeah, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna out you guys because I wasn't sure how uh, how out you guys were about as far as podcast terms. Yeah, you got these alter egos, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Facebook public now. Okay. So Facebook once it's official. on Facebook, then we can't hide it anymore. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the episode, um, and then we will see where this thing goes. Hugs and Be Deceivings is written, or sorry, directed by Michael Trim. Same one as episode two, which we talked about. He's a veteran of weeds. Mm-hmm. He's a veteran of Parks and Rec, veteran of 30 Rock. Seems like he has a good handle on the whole comedy thing. Mm-hmm. Written by Lauren Morelli, who looks like she is a complete writing rookie. She was a story editor on all of the episodes of this season. She wrote two of the episodes. You mentioned that there was some – you'd heard an interview of hers? Well, actually, I had to look her up because I didn't recognize her name. Sure. And I was curious about her background. Uh, there's a bunch of stories that were released about March of this year about her coming out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sort of headlines of it is that she was actually married five months before she started working on Orange is the New Black. Right. Married to a man. Um, and as she was developing... Was his name Larry? I, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I, let's talk about Larry later. Um, so she said she was writing about Piper and sort of coming out to Larry and talking that story. And she realized in that process that she was actually a lesbian. Mm. So she's no longer married to the man. Um and some of her conversation with her husband is actually pulled out of real life and put into some conversations between Piper and Larry. Interesting. Which I thought was really cool. So I, I just did really quick headlines because I want to know a little bit more about the writer. But I found that pretty fascinating. And I'm sure there's more to come about that. Uh, one other thing before we start talking about the episode proper is I saw a one of those Facebook surveys that's like, who is who, which orange is the new black character are you? I took it, and the whole time as it was generating my results, I was thinking anyone but Piper, anyone but Piper. I got Nikki. Yeah. 
Because she uh, loves what? She she's well. I mean, I think I'm funny, and she's funny, and I'm all about the pussy, and she's all about the pussy. She so, uh, I I feel like that was a good fit. Yeah. The only difference is you don't have the fabulous hair. Like I Nikki don't. Has. You actually are a little better groomed than she is. I don't. I had I had fabulous hair. I'm in the process of losing it all. <laughs> uh, who did you get? Did you get a chance to take it? I, of course, I took it. Um, and I. I got uh, the fabulous Sophia, ah. which I'm thrilled about because I'm a big fan of Laverne Cox. Um, sure. I actually work in the field of diversity for a living. So mm-hmm. we talk a lot about LGBT issues. We talk a lot about race issues. And all these things come into play here with the show. So I'm excited. And um, Sophia's just fabulous. I mean, she's she got a is. great scene in this uh, episode that I hope we talk about a little bit. Very keen fashion sense. Yes. And I'm bummed that she's a guest star. She doesn't have top billing. She's uh, not a regular cast member. So I keep waiting until she uh, makes some progress because she's done a ton of pre- press before the show sure. started airing. And um, yeah, so just call me Sophia if you ever forget. Okay. So we start off the episode. We get introduced to Brooke Soso, who Big Boo promptly molests. <laughs> And Piper's back, yay! Oh God, Piper uh, is back. I I I will say that starting this episode, I felt like she was less annoying because I almost feel like Brooke was put on the face of this planet to for for viewers to redirect their annoyance onto her oh, because she's like everything that's annoying about Piper distilled. You know, it's mm-hmm. like Piper was wasp. She's she's takes the waspy and she adds the hippie. And, yeah. uh, you know, the gluten intolerance and all that stuff. So yeah. it's like she's even more of a fish out of water than Piper ever was. And now Piper's turning into a badass. Okay. So I what, a, let's, let's talk about Yeah, this. I have a few opinions about it. I was delighted to see uh, Brooke as she walked around the corner with Morelli and sort of I was like, wow, they brought in Hoppa Asian character. So yeah. Hoppa means half, right? So we say Hoppa Holly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Learn, today I learned. I know. I'm going to throw a bunch of terms out here that are from Hawaii. But um, I was thrilled. And I, the first thing that I thought of was, you know, where are they going to put her? Because if they put her with the Asians, right. she will be away from sort of the main story. Sure. Right? So it turns out that they wind up putting her with white people. Right? Mm-hmm. And Morelli makes a point to say, I don't normally break the rules. Right. But, but you I'm going to make an like exception. You're, you're not full. Yeah. And then she's like, you're not full Asian. Uh-huh. Right? And I just thought, oh, little commentary there about race um and she's so she definitely is fish out of water Uh she's um brand new the situation she was scared but then as she's like in this room with the the prisoners that she puts she's put with she says oh this is not what i thought prison would be like at all thinking that's going to be all sunshine and you know everyone's Uh going to give her toothbrushes and soap and it's all good yeah so i'm just really curious to see what's going on yeah right um i also liked Speaking of Piper, how Crazy Eyes is just now totally freaked out by her. I know. Poor Crazy Eyes. And we didn't know till the end of this episode to the depths of why that was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just, you know, the fact that she didn't think her dandelion would beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Turns out it was a little bit more than that, but yeah. we'll, we'll save that for later Please on the Please save that, because I, I have a note in my uh, notes that has like five exclamation points about that. <laughs> Uh, I also like the scene in next where we see Red in the general pop showers. And like last season, we saw that she had people to do mm-hmm. shave her legs yeah. and to dye her hair, yeah. and she just didn't have to worry about anything. She's like a queen. Yeah, she definitely was. And now she's trying to sling these legs up on the counter and get her get you know yeah. get everything shaved, and it's just hard to do. And then she sees V. Which we like, they must have a history because she just wigs out. Yeah, what were you was... thinking? Well, first of all, I was thinking, yeah, I know that old age is coming right around the corner. So <laughs> I'm that back pain thing hits all of us at some point. So mm-hmm. I, I really was very sympathetic towards Red. 
And it, um, you know, the actress played it so heavy, like, oh, you know, my whole life is falling apart. I'm all by myself. But when she sees V, I don't, you don't watch Scandal, right? I do not. I know that one of our co-hosts, Nina, watches Scandal because I think they do a cast on it. Okay. Um, on Scandal, Olivia Pope is the main character and she has a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, her name, I'm forgetting her name right now, Maya Pope. Maya Pope is a conniving, beautiful, intelligent, um, international terrorist. Uh-huh. And when I saw V, V presents herself as she's very sort of high command. You know, she walks in. She demands attention. She's sure. beautiful. She's smart. She's intelligent. And I'm like, oh, boy, we got Maya Pope up in this. Sure. I felt like those two characters are very parallel in that uh-huh. they're very strong women. They know who they are. Right. But they're very conniving. Right. And so it's just curious to see what was going to happen with V. And honestly, Aaron, I, de- Aaron, I decided to. Uh-oh. I know. Secret's out. I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's happened before. I've heard another cast. <laughs> sure. Um, but I decided not to watch the entire season. I've only gone up to episode seven because I didn't want too much of the what we sure. learned about the characters to color this cast. Right. Yeah. And that and that's the challenge for me. I know. I have to pretend like I don't know where things are going. I know. And I will say that I found it very hard to get a peg on V because she did present herself as this kind of like alpha chick. Mm-hmm. But then it seems like whenever she went against heavy hitters, um, she was always kind of you know, submissive or at least friendly with them. Like right. you, you, you're primed for this big confrontation with red that we'll see later in the episode. And it kind of fizzles. And then you, her, um, uh, who's the head chef shoot. Oh it's, yes. The Latina. Um, um one. yes, it's Gloria. We'll go with Gloria. Um, uh, when she does the thing with the cigarettes, it seems like she was kind of like, you know, in a one down position. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I couldn't get a real peg on what she was like. Was she a poser? Or is she not? And we'll, you know, this will unfold throughout the episode and the seasons. We'll have to see. Right. And I think that's why she's dangerous. Yes. Right. It's the strategic, manipulative. She's too smart. And people don't realize she's smart. So they're going to take her for granted, which is she, what's delightful she about her. could be the prison Littlefinger. Oh, no. Okay. Let's, okay, let's see if we can get a, um, a, other references to maybe Fargo will work in here. And maybe we'll work in some uh, Walking Dead. Yeah, I, don't, I already got scandal in, so. Uh, little, if that was your prison nickname in a women's prison, <laughs> I think it would be for a different reason oh than uh, Peter's. But and there and there he goes, there guys. You go. There he goes. Moving on to Tasty and Pousset. Yes, yay. Who are just crushing charades. Yes, because of U.S. Weekly knowledge. Yes. Did you catch that? I laughed so Hard. And they're talking about the uh, <laughs> chick whose husband died young, the white Michelle Williams. And yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, that was really good. The point of the whole scene seemed to be, though, um, that Suzanne, she's the clock watcher. Yeah. And she's like really into watching this clock. Yeah. But she also, we know from the past season, she's got these dramatic talents that are kind of hidden. Yeah. She's very got this dramatic flair. Yes. And she's like, you know, how about if I play? Yes. And they're like, oh, you know, last time we played Jenga. We can't even play Jenga because you're the head slapping and all that. Yeah. Which triggers a flashback. Yeah, but it reminds me of, you know, if you think about when you're in elementary school and there's the kid that your teachers tell you you have to play with. Oh, no, yeah. You know, Suzanne, Susie, as her mom and dad call her, is Uh is that kid you have to play with. And so they're tolerating her. Yes. um, Which is so sad because I really adore Crazy Eyes. I just think her character is... It's got a lot of um, background that we're learning in this episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Jim and I both grew up in the same religious cult. And it's a very small community because it's basically your world is everyone that's inside that church. Yeah. And you're not really allowed mm-hmm. to associate and be friends outside. And one of the guys in our congregation 
had a lot of emotional and mental problems and we were always pressured to do things with this yeah. guy and it as young kids um it was always a source of friction and like oh god this what's this going to be a nightmare but i will say by the time we morph because you know you can't get away it's not like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know this That's is why a they call situation it a cult, right? where it's yeah um by the time we, I, we got to be uh, teenagers and young men, I'd kind of grown. I'm glad that I was forced into that because I got past the awkward, all oh, this is a bit, and you kind of appreciate who they are as a person. Yeah. And now it's like I have super fond memories of the, the guy. Yeah, that's interesting. I miss him. I, so I have a question. Sure. Did you ever feel like because you were a part of this religious, you call it a cult, I'll call it a cult, because you were sort of different from people outside of that cult, that uh-huh. it made you more likely to connect with that person that, who was also different? Just a cure. It's just. I mean, you could. I, no, I mean, I don't know. I think. Um, I don't know because one of the legacies is that I'm kind of extremely judgmental, and I've worked very hard to squelch Shocker. that. Yeah, I've, I've worked very hard to squelch that part of my personality and be more open-minded. Um, if anything, I'd say that it's definitely made me not give a fuck about being different mm-hmm. because you just can't escape it. Yeah. In school and high school, yeah. you're just going to be the. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like that you we got a sense of humor about it and he kind of got developed a sense of humor about it i mean what are you going to do like i <laughs> i remember because we're going to go to king's island later today went to king's island with the guy and i was dating a girl at the time and uh, she decided uh, to dance with him because they were playing music in the park okay and he's dancing with this guy this my girlfriend he's just got this massive erection oh my goodness yes oh so you guys like teenagers or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, like yeah. so it's said, gonna happen yeah, yeah. And said, but he's like you know eve didn't have yeah. the social awareness to mm-hmm. kind of conceal it yeah and it may have been the first time he was touching a woman in some probably, way probably and I mean, she all was these a real things. sweetheart about it and yeah. everything but like you know i'm sitting there and it's like what you know what are we gonna do yeah so we just all played it cool but it's like you got those moments where it's like well you know what are you gonna do yeah that's interesting. I always think about when I was growing up, I was one of the only Asians in my school, sure. believe it or not, even though I was in California. So I always connected with the people who were different. So like the the kids who were deaf or the kids who maybe had some mental disability, I always made it a point to kind of reach out and play to them. I think that's why I have such an affinity for Crazy Eyes because she's different. You know, there was like, as you say that, because my neighbor was a, uh, was a deaf kid that was about two, three years younger than mm-hmm. me and also in the cult. And we were neighbors, too. Had a little compound. Yeah, right. It's like, uh, but you didn't no, have to so leave yeah, like I, I, I did associate with a lot of interesting characters yeah. I probably normally wouldn't yeah. have because and of the the uh, situation. I think that those of us who are different will, you know, want to support other people to kind yeah. of create our own circle. I used to be able to do sign language, and I've right, lost. Me too. I've lost like seventy five. Okay, cool. Of that. All right, you and I are going to practice sign language. I know we I know one to. sign for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we have a flashback to her parents. Yeah. And I thought this was because when I first saw this, it's obviously two people that have adopted a child because they can't conceive. And then years later, yeah. they stop trying. Fast forward five years later, yeah. You got this miracle baby. And we've seen this time and time again. Like the, the, the iconic one I can think of is the artificial intelligence movie, AI, where they got this robot kid. And then they have a real child and it causes all these problems. And I'm like, oh, they're going to go down that path. But these parents seem to be really sweet and earnest about making sure that didn't happen to their child. Yeah, I think they had all the best intentions, and yeah. it shows. And yet there's still this um, – I still think race played, plays an issue in it, Certainly. right? You think about it, the hospital scene, you know, she walks – Suzanne walks in with her wings and her, you know, tutu on. Sure. 
and she throws her fit because dad is taking the baby back away mm-hmm. from her. Right. You know, it's the African American nurse that walks in and says, "Hey, yeah, baby, let's talk about this." Yeah. And, you know, sort of talks her down. Where I felt like mommy and daddy were sort of freaked out by this fit that she's sure. satisfying. So and, I, I think that's a subtle way of to talk about race, also. Yeah, and the fact that she said, "Oh wow, this she's so beautiful. She looks just like you and daddy." Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, wow, you know, there's so many interesting things. And yeah, thank God the all star nurse stepped in there and was able to redirect. Mm-hmm. But I just got the sense that her parents are not going to go the route of, well, this is my, our new favorite child and Suzanne is some, you know, runner up or, you know, oh, this is an awkward thing we're going to deal with. Right. Yeah. I also thought that young actress was really outstanding. She was amazing. That's a hell of a role. She was amazing. To play and she crushed it. Mm-hmm. Um, she showed uh, different emotions. She was so happy. She was so supportive. She was so loving. And then boom, on like, a dime. just like a five-year-old will do, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what five-year-olds do. They sure. lose control and then they don't know how to, they act out. But she's also got, obviously, some sort of mental disability, right? We're not sure what she has. She has some kind of emotional, developmental. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Again, I'm not I'm not sure what the proper word is. Uh, so, But but that, there's something that's also, like, into the five-year-old tantrums, you've also got something that's mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, fundamental that's yes. going on as well. Yes. So we're done with that flashback. Piper goes back to her cellmates. That include it's a eclectic group because you got V in there. Yes. She's kind of hanging in the background. You got Brooke, who is suitably impressed slash intimidated with her pugilist skills. <laughs> um, Big words, everyone. Big words. Yeah, Brooke without the E <laughs> because it's more original. Yeah. Uh, and then she's talking about her parents. So she's named after Brooke Shields, but they dropped the E because it's more original. But then when she was nine or ten, they started call, saying it was because. She was named after Babbling. Yeah, a Babbling Brook. I love it. I call her Babbling Brook. I don't call her So-So. <laughs> I like that later on this uh, episode where Piper, she says, Brooke, and she goes, don't you go by her last name here? It's like, yes, but I can't say it with a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we already talked about the uh, Morello breaking the rules because she doesn't look full Asian. So mm-hmm. she slips her some soap and a toothbrush and uh, V gets shut out because apparently the black girls haven't gone by. I know. I think uh, Morello's like... You know, v asked for a toothbrush and soap, which is uh-huh. sort of the uh, the treasures that Brooke was given. I, is, is that just not issued to people? I, I assume it seemed as such. You would think as they walked in and they get their Here's jumpsuits. Your soap. Yeah. Here's your toothbrush. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I was but really shocked. This, this is like a care package, yeah. a deluxe care package. Yeah, because I think Morello's line is something like, um, let's see if I can do this. She says, hmm. So one of the black girls didn't come by when you got here? Uh-huh. And then she just sucks her teeth again, and she's like, hmm, what a shame. Wow. I was like, what? That's so awesome. We had a transformation here in the studio. Oh, Impressive. yeah. Like red lips. <laughs> Maybe I'll try to do one character each episode. If you can do her full-on meltdown here at the end, I'll be super Oh, impressive. I can't. I can't. I can't. But uh, maybe if I were drinking, I would try. Next scene is Pensatucky uh, reintroduced to the laundry room crowd, Leanne and uh, I forget the other girl's name. Maybe it's Gina. Anyway, she's showing off her new teeth, and Leanne and company are not having any of her bullshit. I know. And Pensatucky says, well, you guys are just jealous. And I think there's a part of that. But also felt like the women are just genuinely don't 
last episode they came to the awareness that maybe they don't like this girl that much. Yeah. And how much stress and drama she brings. Yeah. And now she's acting like she's better than them on top of their mm-hmm. realization of her being kind of a ass. Yeah, I think it's sort of the leader was taken away and they all had to fulfill no roles. And they right. realized they don't need the leader anymore. Right. And the fact that she comes in and she's flinging her hair and she's smiling, trying to get them to notice her teeth, right? She's being trying mm-hmm. to be, quote unquote, subtle about it. Right. Um, oh, she's so obnoxious. I can't stand Pensatucky at all. Mm-hmm. I love to hate her. Sure. The actress does an amazing job with her. Uh, but I think that's part of it. It's just, okay, now we don't, our leader was gone and we didn't need her. We yeah. realized that we're okay. And blonde one, is that Lauren? The blonde? Maybe. I thought blonde, I thought the blonde one was Leanne. But oh, could... yeah. Maybe you're right. Leanne. Leanne seems to try to be, she's coming out of her shell a little bit. You know, in the episode prior, She's she's got more of a role. She might she's, be the new laundry maybe. room leader. Yeah, maybe she's going to be the snuggle queen now. I don't know. <laughs> um, next scene, we see again the way that Suzanne slash crazy eyes. It's interesting because I find myself less apt to call her crazy eyes as the as we know more about her. Yeah. She's becoming more human, maybe? So she becomes more human, more of a real person. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's more of a Suzanne, less of a crazy eyes. But we see that the subtle ways that she's being kind of ostracized. But on the other hand, you can also understand why if your cellmate or your uh, cinder block mate, you're trying to read a book and she's staring at you upside down doing that. Yeah. That, that would be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so it's like, I can't really judge either one of them. But V swoops in there uh, to kind of give her just a little bit of attention and affection after she drives uh, Tasty off, which we need to talk about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. That could be hours. Yeah. I mean, the last we saw Tasty and V was the flashback from last episode where uh, I think it was RJ got killed. Right. Right. And they're crying about it. And she's like, you know, I'm never going to let this happen again to any of my babies. And now we see there's some distance. Um, and she's, we, we kind of, cause, cause Tasty got out for two weeks, Yep. but then she bounced right back. Right, right. And she we know not, that there was, she had her trouble adjusting outside. It seems like a V not being there for her was a prime reason she got bounced back into prison and she's right. holding that against her. Well, I think that's part of it, but also just, you know, there, there's a lot of research out that, that says when you are in prison or in jail, and then you go back out to quote unquote civilian life. You don't know how to sure, sure. Li- you don't know how to live your life, right? Sure. You're on a schedule when you're locked up. You know exactly where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. But Tasty has no family, and right. like a lot of people say, you don't have any family. She literally has no right. family. She was a, a kid that grew up in the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Outside of V, she has no blood relatives, no one to look after her. Right? V wasn't there for her, and you know, there. It's like if I went to prison, you went to prison. It would suck, but we would get <laughs> out. And we could live with their parents right. and we could, you know, work some connections and get back into the job. And it'd be, but if you don't have those right. things to help, you know, and you're just relying on the halfway right. houses and underfunding social services, right. underfunded social services, it's, it's terrible. Right. Cause she went from group home to living uh-huh. with V right. and then wind up getting in this minimum security prison. Right. right so, right. and she tried to do everything right. I mean, last episode we saw how hard she tried to stay out of these kind of clutches. Right. And then what kind of reward she got when she was with these. So. Right. And that gets back to my point about V being so manipulative now. She's sort of this maternal figure that these young black women don't have. They mm-hmm. probably didn't have it on the outside. Sure. And so here comes this strong black woman who's saying very subtly, very quietly, oh, but you need to respect who you are. You need right. to present yourself in a different way. And I think that that's all going to build up to something bigger as the season runs on. She's got this really – awesome motivational trick where she puts you down by saying 
you're not what you need to be, but also saying about the potential. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like you guys are girls trying to pretend, you know, to be tough. But also I see you're a garden rose or you're, you know, so so she's – I. I I thought it's great how she can tear you down and build you back up in like mm-hmm. a single sentence. Right. Manipulative. Like bitch. After manipulative. Yeah, I'm telling you. So she's, I mean, Susan, Suzanne rather, just eats this shit up. Uh, we see then a flashback is triggered by this overnight visit that she sent uh, the Suzanne and her sister are going on to, where her mom goes up to this really well off, affluent white lady's yeah. house and they're having a princess party. Mm-hmm. And uh, Suzanne comes in there and. Her mom says, hey, this isn't appropriate. Right. Like Suzanne's nine and the girls are six or seven or something like that. Which is interesting because the mom, Suzanne's mom, tried to play the race card immediately. Mm -hmm. And then the other woman's like, no, she's 10 and these girls are six. Mm -hmm. But that's – I think it's both and, and, right? Yeah. it's. I think it's a combination of the the emotional problems and the mental problems and the race. And it's just – it's one big package that that woman just wanted to nope out of. Right. You've got eight kids under the age of six and then you're going to add – an older kid who's got mental challenges and you know, there's just a lot going on. And I will say on my previous experience, that is a downer. Heck yeah. That is a downer when everyone's on one page and you got this other kid that's uh, on a different book. Yeah. And the other thing is as, as kids, you're just not, I don't think you're equipped socially. Sometimes I feel like I don't know what you do because as an adult, it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't because you're forcing these kids to interact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they don't have the emotional and social skills necessary to be inclusive and not be mean. Right. You know, I, and I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. It's the same things like uh, one of my good friends is a social, as a, um, um, a special ed teacher. Uh-huh. And it's like, he it's, it's his job is hell as far as I'm concerned yeah. because he's got, all these kids and all different spectrums and all different abilities yeah. and he's trying to keep them all focused and 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 also try to teach them something and it's like i don't know that there's really great answers on how to help kids like this yeah yeah and well, one of the interesting i think social questions that this show is asking this season is out of all these people that are in prison a great deal of them have severe mental or social or emotional problems and right. that's probably why they're in there cuz we as a society don't know what the fuck to do about it right them. i think there's um well, I have a lot of thoughts on this. First of all, my daughter actually has ADHD, so she's been in special day classes her entire career. She's right. now – she's going to in uh, to be a sophomore next year. Right. And you can see that the kids that she's been in school with since kindergarten, mm-hmm. they're definitely challenged emotionally for them. You know, they act mm-hmm. about five years younger. Sure. You know, they can't really deal with – now they're all going through puberty, which, God, help them. Right. Help their parents, right? Yeah. You've got hormones. You've got emotions. And so I think that – it's tough for us as parents or as educators to create this environment where people feel safe, uh-huh. right? And I think that um, Suzanne being in this place, it's safe because it's contained, but it's not safe for her either right. because she doesn't have somebody like a V who can sort of take her under his wing and right. say, you are a garden rose, right? right? That's a huge line for her. You see this change in sure. her character when it happens. Sure. And I think all of that is really important. But getting back to the mental health thing, this definitely um, – a lot of people in prison, they're high statistics who have addiction problems. And some of that is related to sort of self-medicating to deal with the problems that they've got. Sure. You know, they, you hear a lot of things that people who have ADHD will smoke a lot of weed mm-hmm. to kind of calm their brains sure. rather than taking Ritalin or whatever else is out there right. um, from a prescription standpoint. Sure. So I feel like 
you know, by the end of this episode, we don't know exactly why Suzanne landed in jail. Yeah, I but still... I feel like I don't know that we even need to because the specifics of what she did, you can see all the seeds are there, and you could pick your own adventure for you know which time was she in a public area that had a run in with a civilian that led to the police, and then she hit a police. Yeah. I mean, it's like you could. There's so many different things where that could go wrong, and it's all it's it's it feels like it's almost inevitable unless she had like twenty four seven monitoring right i almost wonder if she was like 5150 and sent to a mental institution and then she slipped through the the crack somehow sure. and she wound up there accidentally oh. like just one of these paperwork things where they transferred here there and no one's really bothered to look her up like and what's she gonna do right get a lawyer and fight exactly. it it probably wouldn't even occur to that's her that's what i'm saying like maybe she's just there literally because of bad paperwork or something wow. that's dark yeah oh you know <laughs> i know i'm such a ray of sunshine it must be shocking for you to hear that yeah <laughs> Uh, so we see a scene of Diane Bennett that we she meets, uh, they meet up in the library. Um, she's researching stuff about babies. Yes, as she should. as a mother, you probably know, everything out there is scary and horrifying when you're reading a book. It so is. Because, you know, so many things that can go wrong. And she's really leaning on him to provide for this baby in a way that it's not even occurred to him. Yeah. Like, there's prenatal vitamins yeah. and health care, and we're trying yeah. to raise this baby in secret. What are you going to do, John? Right. And she probably didn't finish high school, so she has a limited education to begin with, right? Right. So she's reading this stuff, and everything must be so overwhelming Certainly. for her. You know, compounded with the hormones that her body is producing in a way that's probably driving her absolutely batty. And then poor... Bennett, you know, as cute as he is, he's, he's kind just of an idiot. clueless, yeah. right? And yeah. and it's he's completely ignorant to things like the whole folic acid that, that we talk about later on the episode. Uh-huh. It made me laugh so hard. Uh-huh. You gave me spinach. Uh-huh. Like other boyfriends <laughs> give me diamonds, right. and you give me spinach. Uh-huh. She's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not a rabbit. I'm not going to eat. Can you imagine eating a bale of spinach a day? Uh, so we see Red is visiting Sophia, uh, because she wants to look fierce for V. She wants to intimidate her. No, come on. Sophia didn't say it like that. Say it the way Sophia said it. I can't. I'm not okay. equipped. So she I've said... got a mush mouth. I can, I, my, I can do a Rick Grimes, because he's a bit of a mush mouth, too. Okay, well, we'll bring Rick Grimes in later <laughs> somehow. <laughs> We're going to attach that one. But the scene, I was so delighted, obviously, since I'm Sophia... When we see her, you know, Red sits in the chair and Red's like, look, it's time. I, you got to fix this mess. Mm-hmm. And Sophia's like, yes, you are a mess. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Sophia says, you know, I'm going to make you look beautiful, Red. And Red's like, no, I want to look fierce. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, as a colloquialism, fierce could be fierce as in fabulous. Right. Or I think Sophia says, or fierce as in rawr. Right. And I died laughing, too, because I'm like, you know, the three minutes that we get of Sophia, she kills it. Mm-hmm. She really stole the whole episode for me because she was like, rawr. I feel like Sophia's problem this season is that we got a lot of her backstory last season. True. And there was so, I mean, think about how little we didn't know about Pousset and Tasty yeah, and that's Suzanne. And it's like, there's this huge cast. And she got her time, so she might, I don't know, maybe next season I'll get back. Because I do think there's still a lot of interesting things between her and her son that I want to get resolution right. to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how far you are in this, if you finish the series. I finished, this, I finished the okay, season. So, okay, spoiler alert. We no, 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 Okay. So I, yes, I, you're right. We got a lot of Sophia, I mean, first season, um, but I still want more. I'm oh, not, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think she's fabulous. There's... Very few of the inmates that I wouldn't want to see more of, except for maybe Kentucky and Piper. Yeah, Piper, Piper. I've got enough of Piper. Yeah. And there's some, you know, I feel like 
and maybe we can talk about this in a wrap-up cast, like how we thought the overall season went. Okay. Moving on for now, uh, Morello, this is the meltdown session. She's on the phone with, we find out her sister, and she finds out that her Christopher is getting married. Christopher, Christopher. And she's, she's stealing the date. Yeah. Uh, Bastard. And you know you don't you don't go Jessica Simpson when you got Rihanna and the whole lot where she like sobers up enough. Yes, I know she, Rihanna's black. You know, <laughs> like that interrupted her rate her her <laughs> yes her time rate. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, she obviously wants to know when the wedding is. Um, at the end, uh, she promised her sister she'll be good and won't you know overreact about it. But she's just in anguish, right? Like when she gets off that phone and you know breaks down, it's it's painful to watch, right? Right. It, it just reminded me how full this episode was. I, I forgot about this whole Morello meltdown until you said that. Sure. Yeah. Christopher. 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 Uh, Larry meets with the reporter that's been snooping around the edges of the prison since the NPR interview. Uh, he wants a connection to Piper on this fraud embezzlement story. And Larry, of course, being the self-centered asshole that he is, oh, is... Uh, is, is just mortified that he doesn't want to talk to him because he's got this journalism angle going on because he doesn't have anything in his life that's worth doing that doesn't revolve around his relationship with Piper, and it's super gross and and disgusting, and it gets worse as the episode rolls on. Uh, do we need to say anything more about how what a worm uh, Larry is? Larry is a douche, period. I mean, I I do not like seeing him on screen. I think that he irritates me. I don't think... I don't think that he and Piper are really adding to this right. season at all. I love everything else going on. And right. Piper, as far as I'm concerned, she could go back to the shoe. Yeah, I mean, there's so – you don't have to be a manly man to be a man. A man, you know, All you require to be a man is a, a penis and testes and I guess identify as a male. But the way they're playing his type of – this is like um, – a, a vicious stereotype along the lines of uh, Betty Draper housewife. Sure. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a very unattractive, this is a maladaptive, gross form of being a man. Right. Is he really such the victim like, that like, he can't move on? What, and, and that, what I don't like about it is like if you're a stay-at-home dad, you are Larry. There's lots of stay-at-home dads that well, take care of their business and have interests and passions and are not pushovers and doormats. And it's yeah. like, that's not, I don't know. I, I Something about that rubbed me a bit raw. Well, Larry is just, uh, he's hes completely the victim. He's not taking any responsibility for his life. That's true. Um, so I don't know if that's, I would equate that with a, a stay-at-home dad type analogy. But well, it I, comes I, later when he has a date with the pediatric oh, neurologist. That cracks me up. That date yeah. cracks me up because something she says. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's, a date. let's put a pin in that one. Okay. Uh, Gloria's having a meltdown because uh, she's missing her smokes and her pina coladas, and she's dealing with a bunch of needy prisoners who are not happy that she doesn't have the connects that Red does. They don't got the gluten-free bread. They don't have the cream corn. They don't have the greens, yo. Um... And Devee seems like she's smirking knowingly. Like she's got an angle on this. Right. V is manipulative, v is right? Manipulative. V's trying to figure out how do I work this angle to my advantage, right? She's always about, okay, so if I can get in good with Gloria, uh-huh. then she'll do me some favor. Right. So it's very strategic. She must have played chess growing up because right. she's always thinking three moves ahead, uh-huh. right? Which I really appreciate and respect about her, even though she's a bitch. Uh huh. Um, so it's interesting to see what happens, right? And then we get to that point where V's figuring out, okay, her weak her weak spot is cigarettes. How can I get her some cigarettes? 
I have an interesting theory about that that we'll Please. talk about later. Yeah. Which I can't tell if it's just like super obvious, um, and I, you know, shouldn't feel proud about this theory, or if it's not super obvious. And anyway, we'll move on. I think just own your theories. Be proud. All right, I'll do that. All right, I'll do that. I won't layer it up. Uh, Nikki and Piper are snatch sisters. I like that. <laughs> That's so crude. You know, it's funny because like, I'm I, such a lady. It's too crude for me to say <laughs> snatch sisters. I tickled me because a lot of uh, one of my guy friends and I discovered through conversation that we had had sex with the same woman. Oh, no. And he goes, dude, we're Peter's in law. No. Oh, that's good. That's better. <laughs> so it's like the female version of that, of course, Snatch Sisters. That's, I liked it. I like Peter's in law better. Peter, than Peter's in law. Snatch Sisters is a little hard to say too much alliteration in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this scene a lot because I think, um, obviously, Nikki's my spirit animal. Yes. I got assigned to her. But I liked, uh, you know, because Piper's feeling sorry for herself and trying to blame a lot of things on Alex and. You know, maybe she's right because it seems like Alex did do her dirty. Yeah. Um, but Nikki pointed out that's like you know, a la- you know, you can't blame the wolf for eating the lamb because lamb's delicious. That's just smart eating. <laughs> yeah, that was, that really was a really funny. good line. Yeah, that's a good line. It's like you can be you can be mad at the situation in your life, or you can kind of get this weird appreciation for yeah. her, which is that's kind of how I roll in. Yeah. Bad it's, relationships. It's interesting how Nikki becomes sort of this mentor to Piper now, yeah. right? She's got this wisdom about relationships and love and life, and she's telling Piper, you know, just get over it. Right. Um, but uh, Alex definitely did her wrong, you know? The things the, we do for love, you know? Right. The quote she had that Nikki said, because Piper's doing this, you know, self-absorbed navel-gazing, if I died, would it even matter? And Nikki's like, you know, you're, you're – yeah. materially, no, because you're just one Cheerio in the bulk box of life. <laughs> But you tickle me, so I guess it would matter. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and it's a good way to show that Nikki, is she has a heart, right? Sure. Because she comes across as so tough, and she's only trying to get as much pussy as she can. Mm-hmm. Um, but she definitely has a sensitive side to her. Certainly. I'm sure you do, too. Of Aaron. course. I, I just like to show it from time to time. Yeah. There's some, some intellectual, thoughtful side. Uh, v then, in the same scene, tries to get Black Cindy to do her a favor, which fails spectacularly. Yeah. But Suzanne takes all this in. I thought that they were going to Suzanne was going to beat the crap out of Black Cindy to force oh, her to do his favor. Wow, really? Yeah. Didn't even strike me at all. That she's like, You listen to V and starts no, smacking her face. I thought that V was intentionally doing it in front of Ser- Oh yeah. wow. So again, Mind back blown. to this, you know, I'm gonna make sure that Suzanne hears everything I'm saying and hears these things I'm asking of other people right. to plant seeds in Suzanne's brain about how if Suzanne wants to win my favor, sure. she can do these things I'm asking other people to do. I didn't think that Suzanne was going to take that broom and bust her upside the head. Right. Poor Black Cindy. That would have been horrible. Her pick would have flown right <laughs> out of her afro. <laughs> um, plus, I don't know who I'd take in a fight because Black Cindy seems like she could she could handle she herself. She could tussle, but I don't. crazy can kind of trump a yeah. lot of things, right? Yeah. You, have you ever seen people go nuts in a well, fight? No. I mean, um, another experience, interesting experience with a young man that I was associated with. Uh, we got the wrestling in a pool. In a pool. In a pool at not one like of our, mud wrestling. And, and and dude, damn near drowned me. No, because he what? just didn't get it. That like you know, glove glove. I and he was super strong. Like because I again, uh, he didn't know. Wow. No, he had, like legit almost drowned me. Wow. An adult had to come in and save me. That is terrifying. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so like yeah so people who ha- don't have filters or who are yeah who snap right because they're not they don't have this sort of control the impulse right they well, can't this, control their impulses yeah like why 
when you see people like when you know uh, when you see kids fighting and they're punching each other, mm-hmm. why would it occur to him to know that they're actually pulling those punches? Mm. Or when you know your whole when you're dunking your friend, that part of it is you let go so right, they right, get right. up in air. It's yeah. like you know, is it funnier the longer you hold them down? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. So maybe that side would come out and. Uh, she, she'd use 100% of her strength and it would go crazy. So if Suzanne does that, do you no longer like Suzanne or do you like her more? I feel like Suzanne has my full sympathy. Okay. So if I saw her doing something like she does with Piper, right. to well, me it just makes her more of a tragic character. It doesn't make me like her less. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and yeah. again, it's like I got over uh, – you know, obviously my shit's not all torn up that this guy tried to kill me because he didn't. Right. And he you still go swimming and Yeah, I still go swimming, don't have any uh uh it, it, it put me off of him for a while. I was scared because I was like I think eight or nine at the time. Oh gosh. Um very again, impressionable years. Again, kids yep. don't have everything that they need to equip and it's kind of as parents out there, I think that you have to protect both sides of that interest. Because right. sometimes I feel like the adults they'd see the kid that's in a disadvantage situation and they think we need to make sure they get all the support, but you also have to give the kids around them that you're forcing in that situation support to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. Yeah, but when it becomes a life-threatening situation, sure, that sure. you've got to And also, I think the smooth, like, I don't know that it would have been, might have been a good idea for a parent to be in the princess party session that we're going to talk about next, oh, where okay. they're telling a collaborative story, and it's all about this pretty princess that lives in a castle, and she's yeah. in the clouds, she has this beautiful family, and they're they're handing off to add to the story, and it gets yeah. to Suzanne. She's like, and then a dragon swoops out and breathes fire, and the princess dies alone. Yeah, they went from, like, um, you know, so Snow White and Seven Dwarfs to Game of Thrones epic tale and i thought that was really sophisticated of them to sort of i'll do one line and then you're gonna do a line for these young girls i was like wow we were talking we just did ghost stories right a little bit but my point it seems like if there was an adult who was hep to suzanne's situation and could have redirected that story about halfway through it's like okay suzanne let's leave it at the dragon now let another girl take it yeah it wouldn't have gone that way, and you certainly wouldn't have girls just openly being mean to her, whereas yeah. no supervision. It's like, you know, the shark tank where everybody's like, ah. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's my social theory. So, anyway. you think the parents should have been there. Yeah. Versus warming up the pizza or Versus scooping whatever. out, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So. That's tough, you know? It's tough to be with the kids 24-7. They could have been really late. It is. Mama could have been having her martini and chilling out a minute. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's so unbelievable tough. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that's the other sad thing about this particular story about my personal life is this kid's mother abandoned him. Oh, wow. So he was kind of raised by the congregation, which <sighs> that's one of the good things in the cult. They did look out for their yeah, own. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Brooke is sobbing. This is like a flashback to Piper's first night. Uh, we find out that she woofed on a wal- walnut farm, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> willing, willing workers for organic farming. Uh, yeah. She goes, "What? where did you do this? Ohio. Just tell people you volunteered in Ohio. Yeah, no, the city, right? The right. Xenia, is that how you say it? Yeah, that's actually uh, just north of here. I was going to ask you how close it was to yeah, Bald Move it's, headquarters. It's right around Dayton, so okay. yeah, about an hour away. All right. Um, my girlfriend has family up there. Okay. It, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if there's, if there's walnut farms. That might have just been a, a dart on the dartboard thing. <laughs> but I feel like, again, everything about Brooke seems designed to make us like Piper more by comparison. Because she's Piper to the nth degree. Yeah. Piper never woofed. Piper did juice cleanses. <laughs> like, juice cleanses, like, you know, you've heard of them. You've read them in magazines. Woofing on an organic walnut farm yeah. is, like, whoosh, yeah. out there. Crazy. 
I think that, um, you know, positioning Piper as this experienced inmate now, it, it drives me crazy. I feel like Piper is sort of manic. She's not mm. one thing. She's different in almost every scene, which is what I think I don't like about her. She's a chameleon. I can't figure out who. Yeah, maybe she just figures out who she needs to be at that moment. I feel like there is a lot, and kind of Larry too, that they're both these social chameleons. You don't have a pin on who are you as a person, right. goddammit. Right. Like if you just strip off all the bullshit and yeah. you're just in a room by yourself, who would you be? Mm -hmm. That's kind of maddening about people like that. And, you know, uh, I don't even think she knows. Is she yeah. a lesbian? Is she straight? Is she bi? That's true. She probably doesn't know. But it is that sort of victim mentality of in order to survive, I want people to accept me. And so right. in order to be accepted, I need to figure out what they like. I do want to address some feedback we've gotten in Facebook where people, when we say we hate Piper, it's di like there's characters that I hate, like Lori Grimes, <laughs> that I hate because I think she's a poorly constructed character mm -hmm. and she's poorly realized mm -hmm. and the writers didn't know what to do with her. Mm -hmm. I do believe everything about Piper is deliberate and yes. well done. Yes. And we're kind of designed to find her annoying and kind of our, our, our teeth gritting and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, people's like, well, I like this about Piper. Or I do. I, I like Piper as a character. But the result of my – what is it? I admire Piper as a character, but I do hate her character as well. Well, maybe. It's a, it's a yeah. Joffrey hate. Sure, sure. Yeah. Not that No, strong. that's a good – again, Game of Thrones reference. Right. Um, I like that, the way you're explaining it, because I think that Piper was positioned, right? It's Piper's story. Right. So she's positioned as the main character. We got a lot of her last season. She's the Trojan she's horse. She's the Trojan horse, yeah. which I, I have opinions about that, too. But sure, anyhow. sure. Um, but for the second season, we're getting to know the environment. We're getting mm -hmm. to know everyone around her. And it's okay for us to not like everybody. Sure. So I don't think that Piper is the central character anymore. I think that yeah. we everybody is equal in mm -hmm. terms of we're learning about them. And it's like you said, it's okay to not like a character. Right. Just because Piper is the quote-unquote main character, right. top billing the whole nine, right. it's her story. But I think it's okay for us to not like her. I love the show, yes. personally. Yes. So if anyone wants to dispute that, you can go ahead and you know ping me. <laughs> and we can chat about it because I really like the show. I just Piper drive. I think she's manic. I think she acts bipolar. I don't think she knows who she is. And you put her, you know, juxtapose that against V, who's very clear about who she is. Right. Sophia, she gets who she is now. These characters know themselves. And I think as a woman, it's really important that women get to know who we are mm -hmm. and, you know, stand true to who we are and be authentic all the time. Right. And I think Piper is not authentic. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She's she's got this pretense that almost none of the other prisoners do have, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so anyway, I do like the philosophy at the end. Uh, of course, she says, you know, everything ends. Brooke, even prison, try to focus on that. It reminded me a lot of the what the guy said about prison and the wire. Did you only do two days? The day you go in, yeah. the day you go out. I love the wire. You're the reason why I watch the wire. PS. Well, did you I. Every time I get an email where someone says, I hear you talk about The Wire, and I watch it, and it's fucking fantastic. Amazing. It makes me feel like a kid on Christmas. Yeah. Because, like, yes, more I people are watching the show. binge that show. Uh, and also, awesome Wire reference, uh, a cast-off where Sophia was walking past and saw Piper for the first time. She grabbed her face and, like, I knew them bitches were lying that you came out of here looking like Omar Little. Yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, yay! Yeah, yeah, no, she wasn't all cut up. <laughs> At the end of the scene, because Brooke gives her this like you know big girl hug, and the, you can see the look on Piper's face where she's like, "Oh God, we've just become friends." Yeah, or or let me make sure this girl knows that I'm not her friend. Yeah, like, she's like Piper have doesn't have capacity to build any more relationships. I right. kind of feel like that's what it is. Is 
She's trying to distance herself. Maybe the other thing is that she's too much of a reminder of herself. Could be, yeah. I was like, oh, God, this is what I was a year ago. It could be. Uh, Larry's on a date. I know. Larry's on a date with this pediatric, Pediatric what is she? Neurologist. Oh, my God. So she's not just a brain surgeon. She's a a child's brain surgeon, which is like the hard mode of brain surgery. Yeah. She's so full of herself, too. Let that sink in. (laughs) All the complexities are working with a brain, and now it's tinier. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, this is just a terrible date. And the one time in the series, I felt bad for Larry. You did? Yeah. Why? Because he's just, everything that he is as a person is being thrown into his face. And he's kind of like, oh, wow, I am a guy with no ambition. I don't have anything going on in life. I am hung up with this other person. And, and, and I'm in denial about it because when someone's asking about this elephant in a room, I'm acting all uncomfortable about it. It's just, well, I, I felt like that was a good message for her, for him to hear. I thought Larry needed to know, like, he's in it and he doesn't see it. So right. here's this outsider. Yeah, but it's like I've got this weird social anxiety where when I watch, like, round one of American Idol and a truly awful singer is just getting torn apart by the judges and you can see, like, this is the first time I've heard that I'm not good. I feel like that. Like, and I just really? want to – I watch it between my oh. eyes, man. I'm like, oh, I'm seeing this person's – you know, they're oh. – and it doesn't matter how awful the person is yeah. either. It's just when you're up there and you think you're one thing and someone tells you credibly that you're but, the other. A-Rod, he Larry doesn't think that he's bigger than he is. You don't you know. No. He's Come completely on. delusional. But he thinks he's, he's got this journalism and he thinks he's such a fascinating guy. And this woman just basically says, you are this soft, squishy thing <laughs> that I want to hitch to my chariot to further my success. And so, you're going to be fine with that yeah, because so that's you, the guy you are. You could be my stay-at-home dad. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's he's a victim. He's playing it as a victim. And this this date was so she was so funny. But did you notice? I don't know if you noticed these things. But did you notice how they directed the scene? Bring, uh, no, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so I, I feel like the way they directed it is to intentionally make him look smaller each time she said something. So if you go back and watch it, there's sort of something they did with the camera angles where they mm-hmm. kind of went back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so I was, that's why I had to look up who the director was because I was ah. curious as to where this came from. And I think he must have done the same scene when Piper was on the plane. No, that was Jodie Foster's episode. Yep. Yep. But, I mean, I feel like there's little things, touches like the show is doing around camera direction and director of photography stuff that they're doing that was really interesting. But my favorite line of this doctor, um, you know, she's sort of – She's dissing on every man she's been on a date with in the last six months or whether because right. she's, you know, a 29-year-old. <laughs> I know what you're say. And she's – I know you know what I'm going to say. She's 29 years old and her parents are like, okay, it's time for you to get married. You're so uh-huh. successful. And then she says, oh, these men that I'm dating, can they just stop pretending that your podcast is work? <laughs> I fell out of my chair laughing Same here. When so I first, hard. When I first saw that, I just laughed so loud. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And Jim doesn't watch the show, so he even if I said it to him, he wouldn't laugh. Wouldn't so. get it. He you misses should, all my should, references. You should put that clip on YouTube and send it to him. <laughs> XOXO. So Suzanne goes and gets the box uh, that V was talking about that's in the outlet and shocks the shit out of herself. Wasn't and that manages, a great scene? <laughs> manages to, to uh, overcome the Rubik's Cube that is that circuit box. <laughs> and uh, that's, about, uh, that, that's about it for that. We talked about Daya getting her gift of spinach. Uh, she's not impressed. I, you know what? I was shocked that she hasn't told anybody that she's pregnant. I didn't realize that. And well, so... 
she meant all her family knows. Right. And she says how like half to. So you you're like shocked that no one, none in the administration knows. Yeah, I oh. was shocked because I thought, wouldn't that be smart of her to let them know? But is it because she doesn't want to get Bennett in trouble? I mean, I thought we resolved that last season with um, the porn stash. Well, yeah, because you're right. Why is she keeping it? Because if anything, it would just be they'd assume his porn stashes. Right. Exactly. That's why I was so confused. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So. No, you're you're right was... to be confused. I guess I didn't realize that, but yeah, that is a little, little some rough writing. Um, but so it's like I feel like up to this point, their relationship has lacked a lot of the charm it had. But they added a little bit of that when he's like, you know, I miss touching. Let's meet at her spot, and she's kind of smiley. So it's like, okay, they still have the spark. Yeah, it hasn't gone completely pear shaped because of all this porn stash unpleasantness. But it also hasn't been that long. Right, even though it's been a whole, you know, season yeah, yeah. break for us, it really hasn't been that long. No, so. yeah, and it, there was, you know, sleeping weeks. with another man to frame him for rape oh, is a is so a rocky road for a relationship so to go through. I think right? we can agree. So sad. Um, v confides in the Suzanne that she's intimidated by the dandelion because she hates me and she's dangerous. V pines for the days when black women ran this place, not scared little girls with bad attitudes. And this is the saying where she says, you hold your head up high because you're a garden rose and that bitch a weed. That bitch a weed. She's a dandelion. Um, good scene. Any Another way that she's wrapping her tendrils around Suzanne. Anything yeah. we want to mention before well, moving on? I think what I saw, I've already talked about V being the mother figure, but it also is sort of a generational thing, right? So V's older. She's got a lot more life experience. She's been right. on the outside. She's been on the inside. She really wants to guide these young women. Sure. Um, but guide them in a way to give her power, not necessarily yes. to grow them. She's she's laying a foundation for them for her to build a house exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not, not for them to They improve. are pawns in her scheme, right? right Again, on. another chess reference. Unintentional. I am such a nerd. <laughs> uh, Nikki's on a bender. Uh, she is laying <laughs> women left, right, and center, and little boos outside the stall, uh, criticizing her technique. I, one of the interesting things that I saw them do this season with the character of Boo and Nikki is they showed like some of the shittier male behavior in a uh, woman context. Okay. Like, you know, this whole kind of sexual conquest and Boo's got this thing where it's like two in the pink, one in the stink, works oh, every God. time. Like all women, like a lot of guys think it's like I got this one technique and it's going to apply for all women. Yeah. And if 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 it doesn't apply to that woman, it's it's her problem. Yeah. What's wrong with you? you yeah. know, you're supposed to like this. And I feel like that's an interesting commentary of, of seeing like the patriarchy in an all women's prison. Yeah. That it's still this hierarchy that must be maintained at all costs. Yeah. So we can't lose this gender, this these gender roles, even though these women don't have penises. Yeah. They're playing the the male. Part. That's how strong yeah, it yeah. is. That's interesting because I. I am less interested in that storyline, maybe because it hmm. feels like um, I, it feels like they are using these women, you know, as their conquest. And so, to me, it's not something that I want to connect with. Or Do you really feel like that's real? That that's something that, in a vacuum where you don't have a bunch of douchey guys, douchey girls will step in to fill that societal role. That well, is something so programmed inside of us. So, that... I, I think a couple things. I think uh, because they're lesbians. They are in some ways trying to be more masculine, mm -hmm, right? Look sure. at Boo, right? Butch. Completely butch. And Nikki is butch in a way of her attitude, not necessarily presenting. 
and she's on a the chapstick lesbian. She's, a, she's yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> not cherry chapstick, just plain yeah, chapstick, not just plain yeah, plain old the black label chapstick. Um, but on the other side, the women who are um, the conquests mm-hmm. are wanting that connection with someone. Right, Certainly. it's the same thing of anyone who is trying to do sleep around because they're trying to build their value. So it is definitely a societal commentary. Um, And I think Boo is acting like a man and -hmm. presenting like a man. And Mm -hmm. so she's doing this whole masculine, I'm going to get as much pussy as I can. Right. And Nikki does it, I think, um, it's almost like a sport to her. Sure. You know. Uh, V approaches Gloria with cigarettes and requests a trade. Right, but that janky box of cigarettes that's bent up and you know it's older than dirt. Really? Would you accept it? Menthols? I mean, I don't think she knew how jank it was at the time. But the box. My thing is, I feel like that that V planted this stuff all over the prison the last time she was here, which was like 20-some years ago. Look at you. As a seed. That's how smart she is. She's next level. Because if I ever wind up in here and I have to start from the ground floor, I want to uh, have little caches where only I know where this stuff is and I can go. And maybe it's going to be jank, but it'll buy me something that I can base my power on. Aaron, that is diabolical. See, so it's like I, just, I was a little shy. It's like, well, maybe this is supposed to be obvious with the stale cigarettes. But that's my opinion that this wasn't some connect she brought in. This was something she brought in. And just stashed for her future use in case she ever winds up back there. Yeah, that's that's almost – I mean that's mind-blowing to me because I was trying to figure out how she got the cigarettes in and how she knew where they were. So right. that is literally diabolical if she's planning ahead and says, I remember way back when. Mm-hmm. But if it's in – what was it, in an outlet? Or yeah, a, in, a, in the warehouse. They never. I guess they never check any of their equipment in the well, entire prison well, for twenty something years. It does, you, when you look at the state of the place, and also they they lay this establishment, this plot where this guy's like, you know, they're spending money. Yeah. And then you can they, they built a new gym. You go on Google Maps, there is no gym. Right. Right. Yeah. That's pretty ballsy. It's like this place is just that money that Fig is stealing is just being siphoned. So yeah, I think. And then what are they going to do if, if I, I, and I, I don't think that there was just cigarettes. I bet she had stuff all over the place. Yeah. That's my theory that she had stuff stashed away. So if it wasn't the cigs, it might be something else. And yet we never saw her look for them. Right. She just sent someone in there to find them. Right, right. Yeah. But, mm. uh, all right. I, it, kudos to you because that's kind of brilliant. Uh, Piper and Doggett are meeting with Caputo and, uh, we see how she's getting away because that was one of the big things I had. Is like, why is Piper getting away right. with damn near beating a person to death? Right. And this episode brilliantly frames that, that we see that Tucky got some punches in too. Uh, and Piper's like, you know, not out of arrogance or ego, but she's like, what, you know, there's a more to the story that we don't know yet. Yep. Uh, he makes him hug. I know. I was some, like, Kelly and I talked about last episode that. You know, there's a subset of the population that jerks off at work. And I would like to – I'd like to conduct a social experiment to see what percentage of that population it is. Um, but he's about to – he's like, oh, I've made these women hug. And he's like gets the towel out, puts it on his belly, know. gets to Jergens, and then he's like, no, nah, this is this is too messed up even for me. Yeah, I was saying to myself, please, please don't show us that, please. <laughs> but I love no. the bow chicka wow wow <laughs> that was going. The music in this show is amazing. Yeah, they do a great job with setting the mood. And um, now I have these visions of like a Gallup poll going out to workplaces and asking people if you jerk off at work. I'm t- I told people to email me. Yeah. 
because I'd li- I'd compile anonymously the statistics. So I have a friend who works at Gallup, and I swear it would be really funny to see if they could slip that into some other Gallup poll around mm-hmm. workplace engagement. You know, right. do you have a best friend at work? Yeah. Workplace engagement. Do you uh-huh. jerk off at lunchtime? <laughs> have you ever <laughs> jerked off in an abandoned office or bathroom? Is that work? what the lotion is for on your desk? <laughs> that box of tissues that you have office supplies drop off once a month. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so speaking of music... Next scene, V and Red meet like it's a spaghetti western. I totally have the same note. Yeah, and there's Completely. like they, they, they have like a little snake rattle and some jingling like yes. spurs in the soundtrack. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. And they're meeting and you think it's going to be this like thing. And then they hug it out. Yeah. But then they verbally spar and it seems like it might go back. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, we're getting too old for this shit. V's basically saying, yeah. And they're both are kind of like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm just going to do my time. Um, this I'm too old for this shit. The game's changed. They're both bullshitting each other. Totally, right? you could tell that it was just um, I'm getting too old for this. Wink. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do my time. Wink. Right. I mean, it was completely like they knew that each other. They were bullshitting each other. They knew these two old gangsters trying to put each yeah. other to sleep. And they both respect each other. It was uh-huh. clear that they're like, look, I know what you can do. You know what I can do. Right. So let's figure out how we either stay out of each other's way. Right. Because I kind of felt like that was part of their conversation. Right. Um, it does seem that why they respect each other. Maybe the. Or maybe Red is slightly more intimidated because she's the one that avoided the first confrontation. We we saw this that V saw her in the shower, yeah. and then Red scurried off, and then Red denied it. So it's like maybe that's the first the little sign that there's V's got a little bit of the plus one in this relationship. It could be, but another way to look at it is Red was already feeling down, right? She'd bit, she'd lost her power. This is the motivation for her to start getting. You know, to stop feeling sorry for herself. So she was on the ground. She was, you know, having back pain. She was, you know, her hair wasn't done. She was not feeling herself. And then she sees V and goes, oh, I need to, I need to man up. I don't know what the term is for a woman. Yeah. I need to. Woman up. Well, I don't know. I've just discussed my girlfriend, too, because she's sensitive about uh, this stuff. And because I'll, you know, like someone doesn't have the balls. She goes, why you got to have balls? So now I'll, like, say ovaries or it's like, you know, she doesn't, she's got a, uh, Instead of saying sack up, she's got ovary up. She's okay. got a uterus up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would ovary up per se. These seem very delicate <laughs> and hidden. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, we have another Suzanne flashback. Uh, oh, this yeah. time she's graduation, presumably from high school, and she's going to do a song. She's going to finally show people her, her beautiful gift. I was so sad that we didn't hear her sing. Right. I just felt like, oh, great. You know, we're going to see this talent that she's got. I bet it's amazing because we didn't see her in the talent show either. No, we, she was harmonizing and mm-hmm. all that, but we didn't we didn't get to see the full extent of right. her new solo or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, man, it, I keep – this is intense. weird because – and this is, this is just – I'm not having notes on this. This is happening as I'm doing the podcast. I keep remembering more and more about my friend. Yeah. He was a fucking artist. Right. That's usually what happens. If someone has autism or... His drawing and painting yes. skills were amazing. It's incredible, the talent and artistic ability. My, my niece is along the autism spectrum, and she sings on pitch. At, yeah. I mean, she was age six, and she was singing like a 36-year-old right. opera woman. It's incredible, the talent that people have. It's a right. matter of how do you harness it, and how do you provide a safe space for them to express it. Right. And I think that... 
Suzanne's parents were trying very hard to provide her that space. Certainly those people were not abandoning her to her fate. They were trying very Mm -hmm. hard, it seems like, her whole life to make sure she had every chance. And they're still supporting her in prison. We saw that they, you know, mommy and daddy came and saw her. Mommy and daddy. uh, But the whole point of this is to seg into a flashback to the the Christmas pageant where she was only saved by this epic flame out. By the mute. Yeah. I can't even remember her name. It doesn't matter because she doesn't a, say it. Having a beautiful sh- a singing voice. And uh, then afterwards, Suzanne is very pumped up and she runs into two of the Latina girls. One of them Flacca and the other I don't know. Um, but they make fun of her and you just, she puts her right back in that frame of mind. She storms out and she sees Piper beating the shit out of Pensatucky and then pokes Piper in the face a couple times seeing her as her mom, which – Smart casting. Yeah. Her mom did look like an older Yeah, Piper. you're right. I didn't even think about that. But now I'm, I'm think, picturing the mom in um in the hospital bed scene. She looked a lot like Piper. Right. But she comes up, no more mommy, no more pushing, pokes Piper in a, a couple times in the face, which gave the appearance of a fair fight. Mm-hmm. So I like this Tarantino-esque storytelling <laughs> nice. where we progressively understand. And they do that a lot this season, which yeah. I thought was is, is very uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, she then f- goes back to present day and Suzanne goes in to apologize and make things right with Piper and Piper's like, no, you saved me. Mm-hmm. And then offers a movie night together, which was what Suzanne was always wanting last season. She goes, I don't think so. Dandelion. I'm a garden rose. You're right. And Piper's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It gets back to that whole manic Piper. Like, yeah. okay, now I need her to know that I, I appreciate her. So I want to be her friend and I want to give her what she wants. What you know is just you're going to lead to disaster. So right. why not just express appreciation and then that's it? Because Piper doesn't know how to do right. that. No. Right? Yeah. She bases her value on what other people think about her. Uh, next scene, Bennett is in the locker room and he is a beefcake. <laughs> uh, he is making a realization about the artificial leg possibilities and it's yeah. uh, Han Solo smuggling compartment uh, in Millennium yeah. Falcon. I can hang with your nerd references. Yeah. I, uh, I it's, believe it's that's smuggling. It's smuggling possibilities. Yeah. You could fit a Wookiee and an a- aging Jedi in there. <laughs> uh, Morello sobbing. Uh, she has a scene where Nikki again gets to show her sensitive side. Yes. And uh, she's talking about the horse stealing her wedding date. He's just doing it to hurt me. I love Nikki's throwaway comment about, no, I blame the wedding industrial complex and society's <laughs> increasing need to infant- infantilize women. Yeah, I think you are Nikki. Am she's I? really smart and she's really sensitive. If but... I only had her hair. Yeah, well, you and can't maybe have it all. Because that, you know, that would be nice to well, You can't get extensions. We've determined that that's a possibility. But I'm rocking at least a B cup here. Well, well good for you. Uh, that's about it, you know, just that she's comforting and they're showing the kind of their, their friends. Um, anything else or should I move on? No, I think that that's a, a nice way to wrap it up. Brooks on Piper's bed, which is oh. probably a big prison no-no. It's got to be, right? This is very – we talked last episode about how everything's very tribal and racial and territorial. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. But that's a, just a massive sign of disrespect. Right. I mean, you, you have no power in prison, right? Yeah. So if you've got a bed, that's sort of your sphere of influence and what is yours. You got boundaries, you got to enforce uh-huh. them, and she does. And she's, this Asian hippie chick comes especially in. Especially like, when she's in full out. blown uh, hippie nonsense spouting. Completely. Yeah. So irritating and delightful at the same time. And she says, We are not friends. I'm not your safety blanket. I'm not your meadow. I'm a lone wolf. Don't make me rip our throat out. Which. That was a little too much. I don't think Piper can can carry that part of the monologue. 
I was with her up until she did the, you know, went full Lorne Malvo from Fargo. Yeah, my Fargo (laughs) reference. See, we're doing it, guys. Um, We do a Fargo podcast. If you didn't know, you should check it out on (laughs) ballmove.com. Yeah, I have a note that says her lone wolf speech was not scary. No. That's all I wrote about. Uh, this you whole know, scene. the thing is, I think it would have been intimidating had she just set the boundary and been firm and didn't rely on her reputation. But she just tried to go too far. Yeah, she did. That's and Piper. She didn't have to, right? Because no. babbling Brooke already was surprised that she got thrown in the shoe for beating somebody up. Right. right? We established that. Right. She's scary. She's got a temper. Right. And then she tried to throw this, I don't know, she tried to man up. And uh, get violent, and it just didn't work at yeah. all. But you know, I, then the, a lot of the inmates were probably just ripped, you know, ripped her off with the mattress and been like, "Bitch, move!" You know, <laughs> so maybe use a, a little, little less words next time <laughs> if you're wanting to intimidate somebody. Less words. Uh, speaking of less words, wait, this is a. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. The girls are talking about V. The black girls are talking about V. Uh, we see that there's a rumor that she used to run this place. Uh, they're talking about how they don't really like her. She's pushy. But then Flacca comes in and brings her a cake. Yep. Uh, well, she gives a piece to Suzanne and then offers another as a peace offering to Tasty. And Tasty looks at it, She's like, Funfetti with chocolate icing. <laughs> I know, like, right? like, wow, this is prison caviar. Funfetti is the shit, though. You know what I mean? It's appealing <laughs> to look at. It's delightful. It's tasty. But is this the scene where they found out that that was um, – Tasty's quote unquote mom. Is this how they The other came? girls did. The other girls well, did. Well, Pousset had known because she talked about it. She just put two to two together. That's V. Yeah, that's see, your that was V. That's significant in sure. the episode, right? That's sure. saying that now the girls are like, well, whoa, wait a minute. Right. What's really going on? And she gives a speech about, first of all, this works on a couple levels because she's showing the other girls who that might not have occurred to that prison can be a different thing. Hmm. Like, you can get along and play charades and do your games and do all that stuff, or you can actually treat this as an enterprise. Mm. And I don't think anyone outside of Red we've ever seen do that. And Red was about her. This is like, we can do this as a community. Yeah. We don't have to set for freaking uh, creamed corn and greens. We can have cake with Funfetti, goddammit, if we work together. Consolidating her power base at the same time, giving Tasty the speech she just used about RJ in the last episode about "I'll never let this happen again." Yeah, and I, I feel like that was a clue to the viewer that Tasty's gone down a bad path because this is identical to the promise she made last episode. Yeah, about and it, RJ, and it's familiar and it's safe to Tasty. She remembers what it's like to feel like someone is caring for her and right. taking care of her. And we did they dangerous. Did, they did a good job last episode of showing how seductive that that maternal figure caring and providing and cooking for yeah, you was to a like, woman that never had had that. It seemed like home. It seemed like a family. There were, she made, she made bread from scratch for God's sakes. Right. right and she's yeah. like, if this kind of bread is eight green, cause you need more fiber. Right. Now Thanks she got, mom. Now she got the fun Fetty. Um, moving on. Uh, well, there's only two people that seem to be worried. Pusey is skeptical. Mm-hmm. Pusey's smart. And Red looks around a corner and is concerned. She's like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. This is, she's starting to get some she muscle. She said, if V builds up her army, mm-hmm. I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're all in trouble. Uh, then we finally have the uh, the last scene where Gloria is out smoking the bullshit cigs, <laughs> and the cigs are bullshit. They're like super expired. And the thing that made me realize that maybe this was the last time she goes, "What are these from?" Like nineteen eighty seven. I'm like, that's about when V would have been in prison. Oh, you put two and so, two together. That's the end of the episode. 
Any other thoughts before we do a little pimping and we have a, a single piece of feedback to consider? Well, the real end of the episode is... Did, um, I, mess, did I mess up? No, I just... I, I have a note that may not have been the very, very end, but when V is talking to Suzanne slash Crazy Eyes about mm. her hairstyle, mm. and I got very excited to think that maybe Suzanne was going to go see Sophia <laughs> no. and maybe get some <laughs> flat iron action going on. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, getting a new look and changing what Suzanne looks like from this, you know, very clear same hairstyle for, you know, you saw the flashback from high school. She had the same hairstyle, yeah. essentially. So what are we going to do as we change your external appearance? Is she going to change sort of who she is on the inside, too? So mm. that was my question about that. Uh, so if you like our Orange is the New Cast podcast, uh, the only reason you're able to hear it is because Jim, well, fuck Jim, he's in the other room uh, watching TV while I'm doing this. But the only reason we are able as a community to do this is because we're working at this full time now. Uh, it actually is my job, uh, pediatric neurologist protestations to the contrary. And the only way we can keep doing that is if we have your support. If you, so if you've enjoyed this, please go to subbable.com slash bald move where you can uh, give us some money in exchange for our awesome podcasts, uh, which we will always keep free, and as well as some cool uh, Bald Move merchandise and some opportunities. There's phone calls you can have with Jim and I. You can commission a custom podcast. We've already had several listeners do that. Um, you can also, free way, easy way, if you like Amazon, and I love Amazon. I'm really into their ecosphere. You can use amazon.baldmove.com before you uh, shop and anything you buy in that session we'll get a teeny tiny cut out of and it costs you nothing so it's free and easy way to support bald move last but not least if you can't do any of that uh, please rate and review us on itunes if you're an apple or an itunes user Uh, that really helps us get off the ground this is a brand new cast and uh, we definitely could use help in that area so uh, that's it let's get the feedback we just had one a mom audrey a just want to add some feedback on Suzanne's mother and that dynamic. I heard on Rotten Tomatoes podcast that they were having a hard time with Suzanne's mom and her pushing her throughout the episode. Super shocked to hear that that would be a reaction that people have. But yeah. I'm not sure what condition Suzanne suffers from, but it might seems like it might be fall somewhere on the high-functioning autism spectrum. My autistic son has tendencies that appear relatively normal-functioning, quote-unquote, at times, and others... Uh, well, uh, other few will have tantrums similar to Suzanne's in the hospital as a child hmm. uh, when his sister is taken away. And they also gravitate towards smoothness. And she says, parenthetically, I feel like the episode where they're being interviewed for job skills, she says she likes round things. Oh. This may have flown over heads for some reason as a reference to breasts. Ding, ding, ding. From the motion she was making, but it's a common trait among autistic kids to gravitate towards smooth surfaces, certain shapes or senses. And I think this may have fallen as comic relief. For some, but actually shows insight into her mental condition. You can see throughout the episode little rhymes she repeats that are common sing-song ways to teach appropriate behavior, showing that her parents were trying everything they probably could to help get her help and mainstream her. We have manners, we're polite, you and I, not you and me, etc. As a mom and autistic son, I can relate to a lot of what I see in her and her interactions with Tasty and the girls during charades and the flashbacks. I see that in tantrums she had when the baby is taken from her and the stories that she tells at the slumber party, not picking up on the social cues and why she ultimately falls in with V, who accepts her for who she is after being shunned her whole life for not being able to control the impulses inside her that make up the core of who she is. From a mother's perspective, my son has moments of at home of sheer brilliance, kindness, and sweetness, and as a mom, I can see why she pushed for her to be included with the girls at slumber party and why she pushed her to sing at graduation. 
when a community in your society as a whole thinks your child is quote-unquote weird and you get to see flashes of the beautiful person they are on the inside, you want more than anything for someone outside to see that too. You push and advocate for them, praying for them to have a defining moment where they prove the world wrong. However, life isn't a movie, and often those moments end exactly as Suzanne's graduation. It's heartbreaking, but it's real, and it happens every day. I've been through that, and my son is only four. Mm. In the end, it's really a commentary on the prison system as a whole, and this woman spending her life in prison instead of receiving adult mental care she deserves. Just wanted to give the different perspective. My first time writing on any show, and this shows the brilliance of the writers. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. That's really generous of you yeah, to share with the community. Feedback. And um, uh, I really admire uh, mothers and fathers who are in this situation because mm-hmm. it's something, you know, I guess it's, you know, through evolution or the grace of God, it's something that parents are blessed with to be able to rise to any occasion. I mean, it's, it's the exception that parents don't. But still, uh, from your description, that seems like it's hard and uh, the rewarding work. And uh, heart goes out to you. Yeah, that's – I appreciate her letter. I mean, it was heartfelt and also spoke to the research that the writer must have done. Yes. Right, because I do think that was intentional. And to, not... to, to the letter's point, I think it was intentional to say, "Here's a way for me to say that Suzanne has autism." Sure. Um, without coming out and saying she's here because she has autism, I thought that was that's smart writing. And I think that's it, without being showy or drawing attention to herself and becoming an after-school special. It's like the best you can hope for. The reason I feel like if you're writing fiction, the reason you do research and to do this right is so people like Audrey, you know, life's hard enough without having a show making fun of the thing that you're doing or getting wrong or being cutesy about it. Yep. So, like, we as civilians that don't go through, uh, you know, uh, kids with autism or we have, you know, uh, not a lot of awareness, we'll appreciate it one way, but the parents and the people that have been through it will understand that, hey, this the, we've taken the time to do our research and we're trying to be fair right. in this and show and also show that the parents are trying so I like that, that they, they did this and didn't call attention to, itse- to itself, um, yet people like Audrey can see it and appreciate it. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Anything else we want to talk about? Um, I didn't get to say what my favorite line was from this Do episode. It. You it's mentioned it. It's got to be the podcasting, sort of... right? No, that was that's, – <laughs> well, that's my favorite line for another reason. But uh, when Gloria says, prison is gluten – don't commit the crime if you can't fucking have flour. Yeah. I died laughing because I live in Los Angeles. I have a lot of gluten-free friends. I'm sure you do. It becomes, it becomes a travesty of trying to figure out, okay, I can't go to this restaurant. Sure. And I can't go to that restaurant. Sure. And I'm like, well, just eat air and a carrot. Right. And, you know, let's just hang out. The whole point is to hang out. It's uh-huh. not about your meal. Right. So prison is gluten. Yeah. I think I need a T-shirt that says that I and did, wear it proudly. We ought, yes, yeah, that would be a good merch idea. Prison is gluten. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, Jim and I will talk about it. If you would like to send in feedback, uh, we're a little light this episode. You can do it through two ways. Uh, number one, send it to orange at baldmove.com. Also, and this is my fault, I didn't post a show thread because this has been a crazy week for me. Uh, I usually post a show thread where you can give feedback for an episode, and then there's also the podcast thread where you can comment on the podcast itself. But if you go to facebook.com slash baldmove, we have raw-looking discussions around all the shows that we cover, and it's a really fun community to join. Uh, so check that out at facebook.com slash baldmove. You can also follow 
us on Twitter at Bald Move. Jim won't know what the hell you're talking about, but you can get the uh, the latest release the second it goes out. Because as soon as I post the button, it auto posts to Twitter. So it's always got that utility. Yeah, and share it with your friends. And make sure he knows that podcasting is, you know, it's, he's just pretending that podcasting is hard work. He'll appreciate that. I think <laughs> he's being attacked out of nowhere, and that delights me. should all tweet at him. Um, don't do, they'll do it. I know. They'll that's what I'm it. saying. Like one time he was sick, and I told people on the podcast to, like, tweet out that, you know, I like, hope you feel better, Jim. And the next day, he's like, yeah, I really enjoyed getting, like, 200 tweets going off every three minutes while I'm puking and trying to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, which made me even happier. I know. Um, XOXO. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, programming, I, I also forgot to mention this. We're we're moving the Orange and New Black podcast to Friday because we were just trumping. Um, you know, we're squashing on the uh, Fargo cast and the... Uh, a lot of times the girls in the Picasso show and uh, the personal arrogance guys post on Thursday. So we're trying to move to Friday, which is typically content free. So from every Friday out until the end of the season, we'll have it out on there. And we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And this is Pete Lottie.